Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources who remind you you're not alone. In this episode, number 242, I have the privilege of chatting with Audrey Roloff. When it comes to marriage, it's a delicate thing and it's something to just have a humble perspective on and ask God like, okay, God, like what do our roles in this marriage look like? And is this something that you are pleased with? And how can we be a better reflection of the gospel through our marriage? And just asking yourself those questions and maybe asking your spouse those questions and having that hard conversation. Audrey and her husband, Jeremy, were both stars in the hit TV reality show, Little People, Big World, which premiered in 2006 and is entering its 14th season this week. And although millions tuned in to the TLC show to watch Jeremy and Audrey get married, their love story is significantly less known. And they recently published those stories in their new book, A Love Letter Life. Audrey joins me today to talk about her marriage, motherhood, and how she and her husband are on mission to help married couples thrive. They founded a ministry called Beating 50%, which is focused on reviving covenant marriages. They share resources and ideas for couples to inspire them to make their marriages more than average. In this chat, we talk about how she's balancing marriage and motherhood since the birth of her daughter, Ember, and why it's important to share interests and activities with your spouse and how to balance strong personalities in marriage. Audrey is a powerhouse. She started her own company, Always More, based on her life verse, Ephesians 3.20. We talk about that, and that strength and that power reminds me of a company here in Dallas. Now, I get I'm a mom of all boys, but I love seeing how y'all dress your little girls for Easter, and Easter's almost here, and I'm excited to tell you about a company that's gonna give you the option to not only dress your girls beautifully, but empower women at the same time. Vickery Trading Company is a social business that equips refugee women for long-term success, being able to live the lives they want to live because of Vickery Trading. They're getting personal development, fair wages. Stephanie Giddens, the founder of the company, has come on the podcast before. If you want to hear more, go to episode 187. And if you want to purchase a dress for your daughters, Stephanie's giving you 10% off. Go to vickerytrading.org, look at the girls' clothing and the women's accessory options, and use the code capital M-O-M-10, the number, one zero, to get 10% off now through April 21st. So that's vickerytrading.org, and the code is MOM10 for 10% off now through April 21st. All right, let's get to my chat with Audrey. Here we go. Hey, Audrey, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I know there are a lot of moms who listen who are in a similar stage that you are, but maybe not on the platform that you are. And so (laughs) we're really grateful that you and your husband, Jeremy, are stepping out there and kind of raising the banner that love is an option, that we can choose romance Um, that we can have the kind of marriages that honor God. And even in the midst of the stresses of life and (laughs) new parenting and all the things. So thank you for being on the show. But more than that, thank you for the ministries that y'all are pioneering. Thank you. That's an encouragement. Thank you so much. Of course. All right. Take us back to those who do not know. How did you even start following Jesus? Like, where did your story start before you even knew Jeremy? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, I grew up basically 
in a Christian home. Um, my mom led me to the Lord when I was very little. I want to say like four or five. Yeah. But I don't really remember. I don't have like a clear before Christ. Mm. I don't have a memory of that. Yeah. And so, you know, I've been walking with the Lord since I was a little girl. And for me, I never had a really strong walking away or I never had a losing a faith in college or anything like that. I just, it was just kind of a gradual maturing and growing and refining in my walk. I've been very blessed to have had amazing parents and amazing friendships and amazing mentors who have all prayed for me and challenged me and refined me just from then to now. And so I'm very thankful for that. But yeah, I guess I really you know, kind of faith became my own, so to speak, when I was in high school. And I got super involved with a ministry called Young Life. And that was a very nurturing thing for my faith. And uh, then later in college, I became a Young Life leader and led a group of high school girls. So that was a big part of just like my growing in my walk with the Lord journey. And yeah, that's kind of not boring because it's amazing, but right. also just... No, it's such an encouragement. It's such an encouragement. I mean, I feel you. I feel like I'm that, well, I don't have this man. Like I did yeah, drugs and then God right. saved me from yeah, it. Totally. Those stories are great testimonies, but I think to the moms who have yes. young kids and what you just shared is what they desire. To have right. a child meet Christ at a young age follow mm-hmm. him faithfully, have other people come around you, be discipled, and then continue to choose him and lead others and point others to him. That's what we want, right? Amen. Yes. So you're like an encouragement to those who are desiring that for so. their own kids. <laughs> no, you are. You are. Okay. So then you meet Jeremy. How does this all come together? So Jeremy and I met, we were basically set up on a blind date before church. That's like the short story. Um, <laughs> long story. Cute. That's kind of cute. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the long story you can read in our book, but um, we basically had mutual friends who were dating and I went to like a massive public high school in, in the Portland suburbs. Jeremy went to this tiny private Christian school and one of um, his friends that went to his school transferred to my school for sports and started dating one of my best friends. And so they set us up on a blind date before church. We actually had gone to the same church on and off. We were in college at the time. So I would go like when I was home from school, Jeremy was going to community college, still close to home at the time. But we had gone to the same church, but just didn't know each other. I knew nothing about the show, nothing about that part of his life at all. I didn't really grow up like watching a lot of TV. And so basically we're just set up on this blind date and it was not like your classic sparks fly love at first sight. It was <laughs> a little bit slower. I think from the beginning, we both had a lot of intrigue. Neither of us had ever met anyone like the other. And I think for Jeremy, you know, he would say if he was on this call that for him, it was a lot more love at first sight or it was a lot more I need to figure this girl out. And for me, I was just not in a place in my life at the time where I was really wanting to pursue a relationship. I was just out of a relationship. So I was just, it wasn't a focus for me. And um, at the time in my life, I was very just kind of stubborn and a little bit prideful and prideful when it came to my independence. And I didn't need no guy and that kind of an (laughs) attitude, which looking back, you know, like wasn't the greatest thing, but also in some sense, I think kind of guarded my heart through that season in those early college years. But 
Um, yeah, so we met and we kind of had a two year, we call it the patient pursuit. Uh, Jeremy patiently pursued me for two years. We were just friends, quote unquote. And then we started dating about 10 days before he decided to go away to college in Santa Barbara. He went to photography school. So then we did three years long distance and got married one month after we graduated. And five years later, here we are. Yes. Okay. I love a couple of things. Yeah. One, <laughs> that you didn't know, you weren't drawn to him because of some fame seeking situation. And then I'm not supposed to ask your Enneagram number. You put it on the Instagram. I okay. So I feel like you kind of already told us. You've already invited us in. I have. Yes, I know. Technically, you're not supposed to tell people. But yes, I'm an eight. I'm a through and through eight. Uh, there was no real like questioning about that. It was pretty clear from the beginning. But yeah, I'm an eight, which is the challenger. So that's also part of the reason why, you know, I pushed back against Jeremy in the beginning, pushed back against a lot of things. That's how I grow in my faith. The Lord is by pushing back. They say it's the need to be against, which sounds totally awful, but <laughs> um, I think it's just in me, this desire to challenge, just squeeze out the truth in people and find out what's really real and, and what's really trustworthy. And so that was a huge part of our story in our dating relationship as well. When I look at the eights I know in my life, I see them as really strong. My mom is an eight and I feel really weak in their presence. Like I'm kind of in awe, more of an awe. <laughs> like I'm drawn to the fact that there is strength there and confidence. And I don't see it as a going against, like, I just want to be difficult. I see it as yeah. a going against, like, I know who I am. I know what I'm for. I know what's right. Mm. And there's a strength there that I think would help you withstand the fact that your early relationship, your marriage and your uh, new baby, all of that was put on display mm. to a watching world. Mm -hmm. That is not an easy thing <laughs> to yeah. have happen to you. And the fact that God wired you in the way that he did and put you in the family Absolutely. as he did, I think that, again, it gives us confidence as parents that beyond our parenting, God is setting up our kids to get ready for the things he's going to put them in yes. the assignments he's going to give them. So talk to us about that journey of once you did figure out who he was and where mm. his family and how they were on this reality show, what was that journey like to then move into the spotlight? Yeah. So it's kind of interesting because we actually, Jeremy, when, when we met, they were actually taking a break from filming at the time. So that it wasn't a huge topic of conversation because I didn't know anything about it. And I was actually, you know, in college. So we were only really hung out when I would come home on the weekends for things, you know, weddings, stuff like that. And then in the summer, we started hanging out a lot the first summer um, after knowing each other. And, but they were taking a break, they weren't filming. So I didn't really have a lot of exposure to it in the beginning. And I honestly thought it was over. <laughs> uh, like I honestly thought, oh, that you know, that was a cool thing that he did in the past, and now it's like not happening anymore. Mm -hmm. And then it started back up again right before we started dating. So we didn't really none of our dating, courting, friendship, relationship was filmed because they weren't filming. And then they started filming ten days before we started dating, which was ten days before Jeremy moved away for school. And so none of our dating relationship was filmed because we were long distance and the show wasn't really focusing on Jeremy at the time because he was away in Santa Barbara. So 
Um, I didn't have a lot of exposure to it really until we got married. Then our wedding was (laughs) televised. And for me, we also talk about this in our book, that decision to film our wedding. We kind of wrestled with that for a long time. And we, we joke about the fact that it was the decision to invite 200 people to our wedding or 2 million people to our (laughs) wedding. (laughs) How big of a party do you want to throw? Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, for like looking back, I think again, going back to just that need to be against to push back, I was very more so resistant to that part of his life. I wanted to keep our wedding day intimate. I didn't want to have these people that were quote unquote controlling it or asking for things. I didn't like that. And so I was, I pushed back against that. Uh, But I think I learned through the process that, you know, like this is part of Jeremy's life. This is part of who he is and what he has done for six, or I guess at the time it was 10 years or something like that, maybe 11. And so I was like pushing back against this huge part of essentially his job and like what he's known for 10 years and not being very supportive of it and not embracing it with a lens of, okay, like understanding and we're on this journey to oneness. So if we're going to become one, I can't be pushing back against this massive thing that has shaped Jeremy and been such a huge part of his life. So all in all, I had to just kind of like learn to accept it and view it as a blessing, which it totally has been. I wouldn't be on this podcast talking to you without it, you know, um, in hindsight, it's, it's been a blessing. And so I don't want to put it in, in a totally dim light, but in the same sense, it did take me a long time to really like learn to view it that way. I was very resistant to it in the beginning. And even for years of being a part of it in the beginning, it was very hard for me. But I also will say like, I'm an oldest child. I've been very involved in sports and was a distance runner and was the team captain in high school and then in college. And like, I've been in leadership positions my whole life. And my mom has always sort of like, she's given me some prayers that she's prayed for me when I was like a young girl. And they're all just so it's funny looking back because she would pray like the prayer of Jabez over me and like increase Audrey's boundaries, Lord. And then she'd pray Ephesians, the scripture in Ephesians three over me. And which is literally became my life verse, which it became my life mantra, which is always more based on the verse in Ephesians three twenty. now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. And my mom used to pray that verse over me and the verses before it every single day of my whole life, not knowing that. Mm. (laughs) So just like, you know, looking back, I think my parents' prayers for me really prepared me for being thrusted into this. I think my personality prepared me for not getting caught up in it and not desiring fame or anything like that because I was so... So I was, I was so like, I need to push back, you know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's a long way to answer your question, which I don't no. even remember what it was at this point. That whole transition, you did answer it. You totally did. And, and I love that you talked about always more. Let's then move into that because that's part of your story too. And all of this is moving into that message and encouraging others. Um, I'm sitting here wearing my fuzzy fleece. Oh, really? oh my gosh. Oh, I'm obsessed awesome. with it. I think I've worn it out though. <laughs> I think I've worn it oh, too much. Yes. I you mean, can't take it off. I mean, it's no, like the coziest no. blanket ever. But beyond just being a cozy shirt, the message yeah. always more. Tell us, you know, you mentioned the Ephesians, but yeah. talk through why that is so meaningful to you. 
Yeah. So there used to be this quote and I'm probably going to butcher it right now. I don't have it written down, but it was in my parents' bathroom growing up. And it was something to the effect of when I stand before God at the end of my life, I would hope that I'd not have a single bit of talent left. And I could say, I used everything you gave me. And I was a distance runner. So for me, I used to always write these motivational runners on my arm during races to remind me that I always had a little bit more to give and that I could use everything that God gave me in terms of, you know, the talent when it came to sports and um, believing that there was always more within me through Christ's strength and endurance and power. And so it started always more as a motivational running reminder for me. And then it became something pun intended, so much more than that, because it translated over to how can I give more in my marriage? How can I give more as a mother? How can I give more as a friend? But also, you know, believing that there's always more that I can discover about God, more ways that I can, you know, pursue him and love him and seek him and unveil more of his heart. And so it's not just about you know, believing the more that is within us as human beings, but believing in this God who is so infinite when we are finite. And when you go and read the Bible, believing that there's always more that he can teach you more that you can discover about him. So just like for me, it's also a daily reminder to continue to press in. And and it's a humbling reminder to remember that there's always more that I can learn. And there's always more things that God wants to teach me and refine me in And so people have kind of taken it and it's become whatever it means to them. Um, I have this long list of things that is on our website that, that runs through like, you know, all the different ways that kind of people have taken it to have meaning in their own life. And now it's like some hundred girls have it tattooed on their bodies. It's just become this crazy thing. It's like insane. But yeah, I mean, the heart for me, like I just, I want to inspire women to believe in the more that is within them through Christ and believe that they are always capable of more through him. So yeah, it's just become my like sort of life mission mantra. It also sort of ties into a lot of what Jeremy and I do together through beating 50%, which is sort of our newlyweds-ish marriage blog ministry. And then now our book, um, we just have such a heart for helping people to be more intentional and more creative and more faithful in the things that they do, which is the subtitle of our book. Um, But we just have a heart for just believing that you can give more to each other, especially when it comes to your marriage. And so that's a huge heart behind our book as well. But yeah, always more, man. It's my mojo. (laughs) Well, and the key part of this, for those of you that are tired, you're tired, Mm. And you're thinking more, I barely can do this. It is she not did about not that. say <laughs> add more to your to-do list. She did not say that the strength is coming from you just mustering up a little bit more patience or absolutely loving because you're going to try so hard. When moms reach out to me, like I'm trying so hard, mm. trying, yeah. oh, that is not your message. Your message, you said always more through Christ in yes. us. And, and that's the supernatural that it's so tricky to lean into because we can't see him. Yep. And yet we've been promised so much through him and ways that he can move and hearts that we don't see and ways he can change us. But the key is what you said to go back. And as yes. an Enneagram eight, I'm sure it's hard. You want to move forward and go and yes. um, even your word for this year of abide, like that Mm. is the message. It's not this, 
I'm going to cut myself off from the tree and go do the things that are more. It's a going back to the source and trusting that he is the one who can do the more. Oh my gosh. Amen. Cause I, I mean, for me, and I've, I've fallen on that side of the spectrum of be more, do more. Like I've just, I'm very, very driven. Very, <laughs> you know, so I, I totally need that reminder and God has totally shifted. Always more has meant different things to me in different seasons of my life. And that's part of the reason why it's so precious, but I really like when people take it and frame it in that light, it's, I always say it's, it's an encouragement to be more than it is and motivation to do more. And that goes back to the abide thing, which is my word for this year. But, you know, being more doesn't mean this rat race, this hamster wheel, this never ending infinity long to-do list. It's how can you be more, which is really just like abiding in God and letting him just like fill you with his presence and, that's how you will be able to be a better reflection of the gospel and of Jesus. So, yes. And so the beating 50%, tell us where that came from, because if we're going to do that in our relationships, Hmm. the goal is to beat the 50%. What's what's the 50%? So I know everyone says being 50%, everyone immediately assumes the divorce rate, which I, it is like kind of the pun, but the we don't want that to be the focus just because then that makes the mission about something negative and that's not right right <laughs> that's not really exactly what we intended but the hope is that we would inspire and encourage and equip people to always give more to their marriage to have a marriage that is beating 50% you know 50% is average always giving more than 50% to your marriage and striving for that so the pun is of course the divorce rate although the divorce rate is going down and not to be pessimistic, but it's going down because fewer people are getting married, oh. which is really sad. Oh. <laughs> and I did so, not know that. I did yeah. not know that it's going down. It, actually, yeah. There was a New York Times article about a year ago that came out basically saying like, you know, hope for millennials, like the divorce rate's going down. And I'm like, oh, it's awesome. You know, the first glance of the article. But then I realized, well, it's because less and less people are actually getting married. They're mm. just... They're just staying in relationships. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or they're waiting much longer or... Or they're not finding each other. I mean, recently, my heart is breaking for a lot of amazing people, men and women that I know that are waiting for a spouse. And anyway... Yes, that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. But so you I'm tracking with you. You're tracking with me, yes. Okay, so y'all are calling people to beat 50% in their marriages. And I have all these questions from these young not young. Some of them are not young, but they have young kids. How do you put marriage first when you have tiny kids? How do you reconnect and get that good marriage routine in those baby years? Yeah. So I will just start by saying, you know, I'm only 17 months in. (laughs) (laughs) So you tell me. (laughs) No, but um, yeah, I mean, there's some things that we have just tried to be intentional about before we had our daughter. And we've honestly had to give ourselves a lot of grace because we can be the type of people who are very intentional, you know, almost too much. So to the point where we're like, we're going to do all these things and we have these lists and these ideas and they're so fun and amazing. And like, we're so excited about them. And then when we fail one week, we get super down on ourselves and super discouraged. And then we just stop altogether. (laughs) And that's not good. Um, But one thing that has been our lifeline since becoming parents, but also before becoming parents is our marriage journal. 
it's essentially our like communication tool in our marriage. When life is crazy, we know that every Sunday night we're going to have our time to do our marriage journal. We call it our navigator's council time, but it's basically just a time for Jeremy and I to connect and communicate about things that have come up in the week that maybe there was never that good time to talk about it. And so for us, we know Sunday nights is, is the good time to talk about it. And we go through this list of six questions. We've been doing it since our honeymoon. They're very simple questions and we can get through them in like 15 minutes if we want to. Some nights when we're exhausted or when we've been traveling or it's been a long day. And then sometimes it takes two hours because we've got stuff to work through or talk about. But for us, it's been just such an amazing tool for preventing conflict, but also preventing bitterness if conflict has come up because never more than a week goes by without us having that moment to reconcile. It also gives us this time and space to talk about hard things without being emotionally caught up in the moment, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. of the thing happening. So that's been just so huge for us. Um, We actually, I mean, we created this journal. It was the idea we got from our premarital counselors who have been doing essentially the same thing for 18 years and they have four little kids. And we were like, that's an amazing idea. Can we turn this into a journal? Because people, we share about it all the time and they love it. So we did. So if you're listening and and you want to check it out, you can totally do that. Just the marriagejournal.com. But that's been a huge, huge, huge thing for us. We also try to stick to a weekly date night as best we can. I'll be honest, though, it's definitely been more of a twice a month thing the past few months, Heather, and working on this book and just everything that we have going on in life. um, That's one of those things that we've been trying to just give ourselves grace for in this season of life. And, um, you know, Jeremy and I, we work together. We work from home together most of the time. You know, we're raising our daughter together. We work out together. Like, we do a lot together yeah. <laughs> and we love what we do and we love being able to do what we do together. But because of that, I think sometimes we can get away with not having that weekly date night every single week because we are spending so much time together, but it is good for us to have that set aside time to just not talk about just work stuff all the time because we are such big dreamers and we can just, you know, talk forever about those kinds of things. But sometimes it's good for us to just like connect on other levels. And um, so we've been trying to be more intentional about that in the past few months to a year. We've really been trying to figure out some boundaries for, and I know, I don't know how this doesn't tie in as much to parenting um, specifically, although I, I'm sure lots of new parents can still relate to this, but just figuring out boundaries for our phones. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's just phones can be so, become such an excuse for so many things. And Jared and I are just trying to figure out like what boundaries can we set for this? And we've sort of taken like little marching steps forward in this journey of figuring out like our phones can be such an amazing tool, but they can be such a divisive tool. And so how do we make it be used as an amazing tool And so for us, like we don't have our phones in bed ever, like Sundays is our day where we just unplug, we don't work, we don't do social media, we log off our phones completely and have like just this break time. But like, I would just encourage like people listening, I I love having this conversation with people and asking them like, what do you do? You know, because it's this thing that like for our generation, there's no like good guideline for it. You know what I mean? You read all the marriage books, but they don't talk about how 
phones and social media as a device can be a divisive tool in your marriage because they were written before this became yeah. a thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, okay, where's my Timothy Keller book on, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, um, there's, there is a good book by Andy Crouch called the tech wise family. Oh, you need to send that to me afterwards because okay. I am into all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, and I love his focus is on flourishing. Like mm. what are we doing to create an environment in our homes of flourishing? That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. No. And I think that what's great about your Sunday night thing is it's setting up a rhythm of connection. Like you said, outside of conflict to work through things. Yes. And for us, that's become a Saturday morning walk because we have older kids that we can leave home yeah. with a phone. Yeah. That's uh, nice. <laughs> and then kids, you know, if y'all are listening and you're like, oh, I'd love a Saturday morning walk. You could take them, put them in a stroller. I know it's not right. ideal, but it's less easy to be on a phone if you're on a walk mm. and and you could work through those same questions as you walk. But for us, yeah. we know that that's our connection point of catching in on all the things that have built up over the week. And then the date nights to me are are the reminding that you just enjoy each other. Yes. You know, it's just, you love to laugh together. Or you, let's play. Let's play. <laughs> it's not the time yes. to work things out. And for right. years I got that mixed up and oh yeah, I would be in a restaurant crying and that's never a good thing. Yep. So <laughs> it's not the amen, right time amen, to bring up amen. issues. <laughs> um, and then one thing that's been really helpful for us over the years is like once a quarter or maybe twice a year, we have these 24 hour getaways. Mm, and I know with okay. your schedule that you may already be doing that with, you know, different things you have to be at for your job or um, promotion. But for us, it was, you know, we've already got the babysitter for that evening if it's a college gal that we trust, it can stick around overnight yeah. and just it's breakfast, play with them in the morning and we get back at lunch. And just that little bit of time, I guess it's less than 24 hours, going to a hotel, just reminding each other again, like we really enjoy one another and just have fun, sleep in, you know, those kinds, yes. of, things, those yes. kinds of things. Absolutely. And then we would have like daily check-ins. So stopping in the morning to pray with one another in the kitchen before my husband would leave for work. If someone asked the question, how do we stay connected when we only see each other three hours a day mm, and yeah. on the weekends? And I think that, you know, starting your day with just praying for one another, a touch point of what's going on in your heart, what's going on in my heart. And then at the end of the day, when we had young kids, you know, instead of putting them to bed and straight, going to our phones or our computers, mm -hmm. meeting on the couch and just having a check-in, that's become just a habit for us. It keeps short accounts, you know, it just yeah. keeps short accounts on. I know what's burdening him at work or he knows what I'm <laughs> worrying about or uh, what's yeah. bothering me. And again, we like to work. We like to get things done. And so choosing to set aside work in the evenings to just watch a show or mm -hmm. laugh together, read a book, like the same yeah. book side yes. by side. We read Harry Potter, the last Harry Potter, side by side in bed, page by page. That's the connection time. We weren't talking, but we, it was yes. a shared experience of a story and little things that you can do that connect your hearts when it's exhausting. And even yes. just like the intimacy, it's hard to be intimate with someone physically when you're not connected to them emotionally. Mm. And so I know in those seasons of little babies who are climbing all over you and hanging on you and you feel physically spent. It's hard to want to be physically intimate with your spouse. Yeah. So, I don't know if you and your friends have talked through that. That's a very, I think like I'm finding myself in so many conversations with people about this lately. And it's so funny. Have you ever read the book, A Severe Mercy? Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's our favorite book. Jeremy, like it's what kept him pursuing me. Jeremy reads it every year. He's read it eight years in a row. We like are probably the spokespeople for that book more than we are for our own. <laughs> um, but we like absolutely adore that book. And there's this concept in it. I don't know if you remember, but it's the principle of sharing. And they have kind of all these different principles that they abide to in the book. But one of them was the principle of sharing. And Jer and I loved that concept of just, there's a line in the book that says, if your lover loves something, there must be something to love about it. Mm. And I love that because we have so many friends who, like you just said, they barely see each other. They don't work, you know, like they don't do the same thing. So they see each other for three hours a day. They come home from work and they watch different TV shows or they watch different YouTube videos. They follow different people. They read different books. They do different types of working out. They, you know what I mean? There's no sharing. So the more things like that, that you do that are separate, the less opportunities that you have for having things to talk about and be bonded on, you know, because if you choose to read the same book, and even if like your husband is super into, we talk about this in our book, this is just a very basic example, but like Jeremy was really into soccer. I could care less about soccer. Soccer was really boring. I thought it was super annoying because all the goals, <laughs> he always wanted to watch it on TV. And I'm like, oh, but then Jeremy, on the other hand, hated running. And we both just kind of learned to sacrifice and learn to understand what each other loved about the things that we loved and grew to love those things in that process because we love each other. And in an effort to want to love each other better, we were willing to like experience them and understand them. And it helped me understand Jeremy so much more as a person just by understanding his love for soccer. And it helped Jeremy understand me by running a half marathon for me. And then again with me, (laughs) which you can read that story in the book too. But um, the principle of sharing has just been like such a huge thing. Cause if you're vying for separate lives, like eventually you're going to have them, you know? Oh, so true. And, and even the, the hard things are shared experiences, you know, Mm -hmm. even the ridiculously hard of the new kids, you're doing it together. If you're choosing to, If you're choosing to say, okay, this is ridiculous. That kid keeps coming out of their bedroom. Um, (laughs) It's 10 o'clock. We're both exhausted. And you choose to just look at each other and laugh. Yes. There's a connection there and a shared experience of this is our life, really. Um, Poop smeared on the wall. You know, choosing (laughs) to like see these things is so ridiculous. And yet we're doing this together. Yes. That's so good. I love that. That's so simple, but it's such a good reminder, you know, just laugh, like don't let yourself get so angry and take things so seriously. Sometimes we just need that. (laughs) So in your five years of marriage, have there been seasons where you've had to intentionally reconnect? Like you've found yourself either through pursuing these things. I mean, and you're seeing each other all the time, but I get this question from listeners a lot. Like, how do you reconnect? Like you fully recognize that you're not doing this together. You're not choosing um, shared things. What's a small way to kind of change that, shift the cycle? I feel like there's always this, this cycle of things are going well, but when things aren't, they just really spin out of control negatively. So how do you reverse that cycle? I don't know if I have a, a like amazing answer for that, but um, <laughs> that's okay. That's it's honesty. I will say for Jared and I, the first year of our marriage, we lived in Los Angeles, and 
I worked crazy job. I worked in sales. I worked like 2 a.m. to 1 p.m., which is the craziest hours and commuted because I worked in sales. So I had to like drive all these accounts. So then like driving in LA traffic. So it took me forever to get home. And Jeremy was kind of pursuing the photography thing, trying to like get into that commercial photography industry. And so all of his jobs were on the weekend and they were all over like LA County. And my job was Monday through Friday working in the middle of the night. So I wanted to go to bed at 5 p.m., which was if he did work a job during the week when he got home. So we hardly saw each other that first year. It was crazy. So we did have to be like, for us, we love books. So for us, it was like, we're going to read the same book because then we can at least like in those like moments when we do have together, we have something that we can talk about. It's a shared experience. Like you were saying before, even though you're not literally doing it together, it's still a shared thing and experience. Yeah. Yeah. That was something for us. I know it sounds super simple, but just reading a book together, um, because not only is it something that you're doing together, you're also learning together. And I think just, I mean, depending on what kind of books you're reading, (laughs) but like reading a book that would maybe challenge you or spark good conversations for us, that's just been a really great thing in our marriage in seasons when we have not had the kind of time that we do together now. That's been like very, very helpful. It's the simple things that often we think it has to be something big and it has to be something that costs money or a course or. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I tell moms with new babies, remember what you used to love to do together. Like Mm. start there because not all couples are the go out and go to on dates. Some are the read a book or you connected with a shared knowledge of something or I don't know, just go back to what you found connecting at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And and see how you're fitting that into your life now. Mm-hmm. So you being an eight and a strong, have you had situations where in your marriage it's been hard because you're taking the lead? Like, are you ever like, how, how are those dynamics hmm. in the marriage where you being a stronger spouse? Yeah. Um, we could talk a lot about that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that has been something that has been a constant struggle for us. I definitely am more inclined to step into those shoes and I constantly have to be reminded by other people in my life and the Lord to not do that and allow my husband to lead me well, not in a patriarchal way at all, but just like in a loving God designed way. And I totally believe in that and his design for that in marriage. And I think for me, one of the things that the Lord has really like just this word, we went on sort of a marriage retreat at the beginning of the year um, with our mentors and they do it every year. And they just so happened to invite us into theirs this year. And it was so amazing. Um, it was just like a weekend getaway. And we talked through a lot of like big things. It was a heavy weekend, but one of the things I felt like the Lord was just really pressing on my heart was to let Jeremy be my forerunner. Hmm. And I don't know if you know, like that term forerunner, like it's in the Bible a lot. And there's this one verse, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it, it talks about like John the Baptist, I think it is, that's being the forerunner for Christ or some, it's something yeah. like that, you yeah. know, off the top of your head. I don't know. It's somewhere in um, the gospels, but 
like I grew up downhill ski racing and the concept of like a forerunner, you always have forerunners before like the racers actually start racing. And then like, even in running, um, sometimes they'll have pacers, you know, that go out ahead and like pace the race. And so forerunners help you. (laughs) They're not, they're not like, it's not a competition. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not competing against you. They're helping you. They're paving the way. And I just feel like God has really been like, impressing that on my heart this past few months since the beginning of the year, just to let Jeremy be my forerunner and view that as a helpful, beautiful thing that helps me and allows me to, to run the race better. But it doesn't sabotage your leadership. It doesn't sabotage your gifts to allow him to go first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. There are a lot of girls listening that can totally resonate with what you're saying. I know. Yeah. And I I, like, we are so, I mean, like, I'm all about being strong, like being a strong woman and being driven and being a leader, like women leadership. Like I, I love all of that. But I think like when it comes to marriage, it's a delicate thing and it's something to just have a humble perspective on and ask God, like, okay, God, like what do our roles in this marriage look like? And is this something that you are pleased with? And how can we be a better reflection of the gospel through our marriage? And just asking yourself those questions and maybe asking your spouse those questions and having that hard conversation. When I love how it was how you specifically said, we got away. Mm-hmm. And so this is, you know, lesson number one, take some time to get away, to yeah. think about your marriage and then, and have mentors. You said that too. Yes. And it was God that pressed it on your heart, you know? So if you're listening, it's not that there's some formula out there. And so everyone listening needs to have their husband be the, for- it's for me, it's going to be a different situation. So my mm-hmm. word of the year is boldness. I, love I have to choose to not sink into a state of insecurity and choosing, well, he just knows better and Mm. not even embracing the gifts and the voice that God's given me to where my, my husband is kind of desiring that, you know, yeah, for me to step up. And he finds it attractive when I step into my giftings and my voice. And so recognizing in each of our marriages and each of our walks with God, that there's a unique path we're on and it's always to make us more like Christ. And it's always for unity and community. And so those are the keys, like mentorship, getting away, listening to God and and listening to that pressing, you know, and not just being like, that's neat. God, thanks. Um, (laughs) This is more comfortable. I know this, this is easier. Yeah. So I, I think that's really helpful that you lay that out. Okay. So the book is a love letter life. Yes. And then the tagline pursue creatively, date intentionally, love faithfully. And if y'all need more help, we didn't get to all those things fully. I know that we didn't. You can check out the book. There are lots of tips in your story. And I'm just even thinking back when my husband and I dated in the 90s. Oh my gosh. Y'all, so crazy. 20 years, a couple weeks, 20 years. Oh my gosh. Congratulations. Yes. It's crazy. So we wrote letters though. We didn't oh, have the yay. email. I love it. So I, I, I don't know if that's part of your story where that you emailed these letters, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jeremy wrote me letters on a typewriter, our oh. entire long distance relationship. Oh, see, we had the three years long distance too. So I get that. Like there's yeah. something that it builds into your relationship. It does. It does. Yeah. Totally. That's good. Okay. So Audrey, we've been talking about all the marriage and haven't really talked about Ember, your daughter. Yes. Okay. So. What was the greatest challenge to your marriage when you 
brought Ember into it? I don't know if I have like a super clear greatest challenge. I would say though, in the past few months, since she's sort of entering into that toddler phase, just learning like what kind of parents we want to be and making sure that we're on the same page with that. Like, how do we want to discipline? Like, how do we want to, you know, how do we want to do all these different things and making sure that we're on the same page and just being willing to set aside some time to have those conversations. Cause I think in the moment when she does something, it's not the time to really dive into the conversation. And do you guys, I mean, were you both parented very differently? Yes. In a lot of ways, in some ways, the same, um, like we were both raised in Christian homes, but my parents, Jared's parents were like all the freedom in the world. And they had a 110 acre farm to escape to. Whereas my parents were like very strict and very, I was a little bit more sheltered, I guess. So that has been, you know, just something that we are looking to a lot of people who have been there, done that, and are in a season of life ahead of us and asking them all the questions. (laughs) Very wise. No, it's hard. It's hard. I remember even fighting over the bedtime, you know, when they're crying, do you get them? Do you not get them? Yeah. Right. I mean, I thought our, on paper, our upbringings looked pretty similar, but no, those things come up and you realize, oh my goodness, and how to respect your spouse when Mm -hmm. they see it differently and come to like, okay, this is how you were raised. This is how I was raised, but how are we going to do it? That's Mm -hmm. really hard. Okay. And so what have you loved about being a mom that surprised you maybe? Man. Oh, so many things. She's so fun. Like she's just a hilarious, spunky little girl and just brings us so much joy. And I love this phase of toddlerhood or whatever, because her personality is coming out so much. I know these are like, I'm saying all the cliche things back to back right now, but it's so true because just like being able to actually play with her and like build blocks together and, you know, go for walks and she wants to hold my hand always. And it's just like melts my heart. And like, like you can already see like that she's got a strong will, but in the same sense, she's so sweet. Like just, she takes care of her baby dolls and wants to like change their diapers and rocks them to sleep and like wants to cuddle still. And I'm like cherishing these moments because I know they're not going to last for so much longer. But I have just loved like that time with her and just getting to see another human that like God has given us to (laughs) raise and just watch her grow and develop into her personality and see bits of us in her. And we're just starting to see that. And it's just been so fun and such a bonding thing for Jeremy and I too. But yeah, we just, we love her so much. A little Ember Jean. <laughs> and she hasn't sinned yet, probably, right? Like, no, she <laughs> Yeah, right now. <laughs> she never makes you upset yet. No. Never. No, no. Nope. <laughs> they're so really cute. I like that stage when they're copying you and they're just like little parrots and they're saying what you say and they're so tiny. Yeah. They're so tiny. Are you guys thinking that you'll add to your family? Or are you guys? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. We've always wanted a big family. And so Lord willing, we'll take them one at a time, but yeah, we definitely, definitely want more kids. So I hope yeah. so. Yeah. Well, you have to come back on the show when the brood is all. Yes. <laughs> yes. And see all the insights from the multiples and all the things. All I the, know. All the That's going to change things. the game. I'm sure. Oh, no, it's good. It's good. Well, thank you, Audrey, for being with us. Yes, if you want to take a second and tell people where they can find you online, I know there are a lot of different places, so I can just link to all of it in the show notes. But Do it. Basically, Audrey Roloff, you can find 
You can find me on Audrey Off on all the social medias and you can find other stuff from there. So (laughs) thank you so much for being on the show. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks y'all for tuning in. I'm so grateful to connect you with all the different things that Audrey and her husband, Jeremy, are doing. And I hope that it's inspired you a little bit for specific ways you can help grow your marriage. I'll tell you next week's episode, we're just going to keep this conversation going. We were inspired to share some of our love story since we've been married the 20 years. Oh, my stars. Uh, So Bruce and I are coming on the podcast. We're going to give specifics on how we met and a little bit of our love story and ways that we found helped us stay connected through the little years and continued into today. So stay tuned for that. Next week, I'm going to pray over us and our marriages because I know that God is always for unity and the enemy goes right at it with division and conflict. And so I'm going to pray over us. Lord, fill us with the spirit of unity. I pray that you would bring us together, that we would remember that we were all strangers and aliens separated from you before Christ. I thank you, Lord, that through Christ, we are one that you have brought us in together. And Lord, I pray that we would be reminded of how we meet at the foot of the cross. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bind hearts together. Anyone who's listening who feels far from a spouse where the stress of life or the distractions of the enemy or phones and technology have caused division in hearts and attention that is drawn to things that are outside of you, God, that you would supernaturally bring them together, that you would make spaces for them to connect, that you would remind us that it's us drawing to you, God, and that you draw hearts to yourself. I pray for times of intention, for moments to reconnect. I thank you for this couple, Audrey and Jeremy, and their youthful exuberance to see marriages thrive in a culture that is antagonistic. I thank you for their boldness to step forward to use their platform for the good that you desire as well. I pray, Lord, that in all things, we would be one body, one spirit, one church for your purposes and the good works that you plan in advance for us to do. We have work to do, God, and may we not allow division in our homes to disrupt us from the purposes and the plans that you've set before us as families, as foundations, and a culture and a community that has moved far, far from your desires. I thank you, God, for your empowering through the Holy Spirit to do all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all, thanks again for tuning in. I will see you next week. And uh, yeah, thanks for connecting with me via Instagram or Facebook and sharing with your friends so they don't mom alone. Adios, bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources, To help remind you that you're not alone, head over to DontMomAlone.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, he said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that is superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present and with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. 
He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.